Hey, you're listening to Continental Drift Student Spotlights, where I present you with interviews I've done with Muhlenberg students, faculty, alumni, and even people outside of the Muhlen bubble. All of this is my way of trying to collect stories about how COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter have affected the people important to me and probably important to you too. You can get more updates about my show on Instagram at continentaldrift.wmuh or you can listen to my radio show where I air these interviews live every Monday, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on 91.7 FM, or go to wmuh.org. Again, that's every Monday, 8 to 10 p.m. But that's not why we're here. We're here for these stories. And thank you so much for listening to them. I have Robin with me here today, and the two of us are both resident advisors at Muhlenberg College, and I'm so lucky to have him on my staff next year, but I called him here today not to talk about being an RA, but actually because he is the co-president of Muhlenberg's Asian Students Association, or ASA, and the club hosted Lunar New Year and Mid-Autumn Festival events when we were on campus and even held a Glob Jamun fundraiser, but has recently started a Hate is a Virus campaign. And I really wanted to get into that first. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and anything you feel like the listeners should know about who you are? Yeah, for sure. My name's uh, Robin, as Michelle just nicely introduced me. <laughs> uh, like she said, I'm an RA at Muhlenberg, and she's actually the hall director, not an RA, so don't don't understand that. <laughs> uh, like she said, also, I'm the co-president of the Asian Student Association. I'm the current vice president for the Men of Color Network, and I'm also the current president of the Muhlenberg Emerging Leaders Council. And I interned for the Multicultural Center at Muhlenberg College. I love doing those things. I, I've always really liked the uh, multicultural life and social justice movements. I've always found them very inspiring, you know. Obviously, coming from a marginalized background and growing up around a lot of immigrants, you know, I always felt it was so important because not obviously because of the fact that it affected me as well, but it affected so many of people that I've seen around me growing up. So that's just something, that's the reason why I care so much about this stuff. Not only do you care about it, but you found ways to create positions for yourself or take on positions to do something about that passion. It's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So let's get closer to one of those positions, you know, the Asian Students Association um, co-presidency. And I was really moved by the Muhlenberg Weekly article that Brooke Brooke Weber wrote about your involvement in ASA's Hate is a Virus campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one sentence from that article that I wanted to highlight. It's one of your quotes where you say that something as simple as making ignorant comments, calling COVID-19 a Chinese virus, can lead to so many things such as influencing and teaching children that certain races are infectious feeding stereotypes, people trying to intimidate Asians from coming into their businesses or public places, and full-on insults. That comment and just that perspective on it really hit home for me. And for those who haven't read the entirety of the article, 
Do you think you can tell us a little more about the campaign and what the plans are for its final form? Yeah, for sure. So um, was it when obviously with the coronavirus and COVID-19's pandemic going on currently, there's still a lot of people who still have to be outside, you know, essential workers, people who have no choice but to do something to try to support themselves because they don't have enough relief from whatever government uh, institution is supposed to help us, you know. Unfortunately, because of like certain statements like people calling it the Chinese virus, it's, you know, you're obviously going to, like, if you name something towards a certain demographic or group or na- just in general anything, you know, you're going to kind of, like, tie it with that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. like, was it, if you think about, like, anything, for example, let's just think about something as, like, a food. Like, you know, like, was it, if there's a food that you really don't like and it's really bad for your stomach, right, and you say, mm-hmm. you put, like, a certain, like, identity on it, for example, mm-hmm. like, just sticking with the current situation, if you, if you have a certain food and it sits really bad in your stomach and, like, it really like, you know, bothers you a lot and you never want to have it again. And then someone comes up to you and be like, oh, that's Chinese food. You're going to think to yourself like, oh, you know, I really don't like Chinese food. You know, that's mm-hmm. really bad. And you're just going to have this bad, like, you know, connotation with it. And that's just going to spread to other people. And then eventually other people are going to be like, oh, I really don't like Chinese food because it really did something bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's obviously not true. But like, what is it? That's just exa- like how this example spreads because you know, that's how much influence labels like that have on what people think and actually do, you know, leading to, oh my, like, you know, the horrible assaults that have been going on. It's such a powerful thing. You know, even the WHO and the CDC both adamantly state to not tie identities or labels that go along with, you know, any demographic to any disease or pandemic that's going around because it leads to the discrimination we are seeing today. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think the example that you gave really highlights how word of mouth can just spread like wildfire, even if like what is being spread is just a word. But like even saying it's just a word, it's just a phrase like undermines the power that that has because you're, you're talking, I think most people have their own community. And if within your community, you're sharing this kind of language, then you're saying that that kind of idea is accepted where you are. and you never know what other community that's going to pass on to. For real. You know, that's a, I love that you just said that, like saying that you don't know what community it's going to affect. That's why I really liked, you know, the hate is a virus campaign and why we wanted uh, ASA to, for Muhlenberg's uh, affinity groups to follow it yeah. and support the campaign. It's not something that's specified exactly for like Asian discrimination or anything like that. It's right. something that applies so much to all, you know, issues that affect marginalized groups of people, you know what I mean? Because hate, unfortunately, is something that does not discriminate at all towards anybody. Right. And like you just said, how it spreads and affects other affinity groups, it's exactly what a virus does, you know, something that's like could get so much worse and spread so easily to others. I saw like when I started looking at the hashtag, I started seeing all people of all different identities, like, you know, supporting it with the uh, tape over their mouth, writing mm-hmm. hashtag hate virus, holding up the signs, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I recently saw it for the unfortunate um, lynching of Ahmad Arbery going yeah. on too. So it can be something that like kind of unites marginalized affinity groups, you know, cause like it applies so much to everybody that's trying to work hard to, you know, address and, you know, change something that's really drastically affecting their group or, you know, anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've thought a lot about how being marginalized comes with its disadvantages because you're marginalized, but the biggest advantage is that okay if you push us to the margins then right there in the margins is a community that's being formed naturally and hopefully that community has the 
willpower and strength to stand together instead of you know letting differences come up within the margins so um exactly. yeah, for sure. the the uh campaign though that asa like muhlenberg's asa is doing that's a video right so are you responsible for putting that video together or what what does that look like well everybody in asa like the e-board is and you know and all the people who've contributed because yeah. uh from hate is a virus camp the campaign I saw on the internet, it, it sucks, but it often is overlooked what's happening to like, you know, minorities and like the groups that aren't always like on the big screen all the time. Right. And a lot of people just, you know, see something really bad and just say, Oh, that sucks. And then just move on with their day. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, yeah. They, like it's not even always their fault. You know, you're just like some people just aren't equipped and don't know what to do for situations like that. You know, exactly. So, our wonderful faculty advisor, Dr. Parikh, uh, Dr. Pervy Parikh, wanted to, you know, figure out a way where we can, like, come out, like, somehow put some programming together to sort of, like, support Asian advocacy right now because of what's going on, actually, in the world. Mm-hmm. And they brought up so many challenges with the fact that we're, you know, in quarantine and we can't be together, you know. And yeah. I don't know if you've been in class lately, but it's, it's, it's really difficult to like, you know, really hold a lot of attention. Shout out mm-hmm. to all the teachers, but like to hold the student's yeah. body's attention while like lecturing is really difficult. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we want to try like a different password from there. And like after back, some back and forth, we eventually came up with a video idea mm-hmm. to like, you know, kind of put together some of these stories and to really appeal to Muhlenberg. We wanted to get some uh, personal Muhlenberg students to like s- express some things that were happening. So Luckily enough, like, you know, we got two people to do it, one including me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think that just, like, their experiences that also, like, you know, co-align with the experiences that are going on with other Asians in, like, the news right now, the really bad things going on, you know? Because, yeah. like, I'm from, New- uh, I'm from New York myself, and, uh, like, I know some people who are afraid to leave their homes because of what they're seeing in the media and often like what they're seeing in the streets themselves you know yeah sorry it's a really difficult thing to think about it's it's crazy because uh you know you want to do something so immediate but at the same time you don't know what to do Mm -hmm. you don't want to like you know infect other people or like Mm -hmm. you know get possibly infected or hurt anyone else and make things worse you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it's crazy because like you can't band it's it's difficult to band together in a time like this you know with the quarantine going on as well yeah so like uh we did some more research and uh, Dr. Pre came up with this wonderful organization, Teaching Tolerance. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's been up even before the quarantine. And they had a lot of good steps on, like, how to handle these, these things on, like, a smaller scale, but have just still have as much of an effect. I really like, you know, their, uh, their article on about how to address, like, certain small moments of discrimination where people are calling, you know, COVID-19 a Chinese virus, you know, because that's really where it starts and branches out and, like, mm-hmm. so much worse, you know. Mm-hmm. What we wanted from this video was to make it personalized for Muhlenberg students, but also connect to the bigger like uh, issues going on, the more serious like assaults that are happening, and also in, like some sort of like you know process where students can know that there's like maybe a way that you can like assist or help. You know, if you just address like uh, the language being used by the people that are close by to you, you know, and, like it's a really difficult process because you know you want people to stand up and you want people to do something about it but you also have to remember like safety is the number one priority nonetheless and Mm -hmm. a lot of the people who are you know like doing (laughs) doing these awful things are not going to be the ones to like listen to the most civil like uh, argument or like statement you know so Mm -hmm. it's difficult navigating like how to like 
properly frame this in a way that it applies to the most like cases that we can do while yeah. at the same time keeping in mind what the reality of a lot of like the discrimination is like you know like looking like and also just making sure the student like people we want this message to go out to are staying safe and yeah yeah like i <laughs> to show you how difficult something like this is this thing was supposed to come out before school ended man and we're on like wow. what is it, 18th or something like that or what's yeah. it, whatever today is you know I, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's that's not an easy project that can just be done ah in one night that's it i mean you said teaching tolerance right that's the that's the organization yeah yeah i i think the steps that you mentioned in self-advocacy but also advocacy for others is what it sounds like and it's not something to be taken lightly so i really appreciate that you were able to like briefly summarize what you've learned and maybe people listening can hopefully apply that to their own lives um but i wanted to maybe talk about a little bit about being a student leader specifically um, I think that that comes with its own kind of responsibility to our peers on campus, but being away from campus and being from a distance then makes that advocacy work a little difficult, as you mentioned, with trying to put this campaign together, when usually our solidarity comes with being next to each other or being in a physical space close to each other. Um, so I wanted to hear just a little bit about what that kind of responsibility means to you? And if, if from doing this work with ASA has sparked any ideas for other kinds of advocacy events, or even in, in that article I mentioned earlier, you said something about how a group like ASA, or even the group that I'm in, Top Notch, we have this responsibility to create space and bring light to social justice issues, but how do we do that when we're mm -hmm. apart? Yeah, but you know, that's that's something that's really been on my mind for the past couple of months. <laughs> I'm kind of like uh, sad to say or like, you know, a little disappointed in myself to say, you know, it's like other than this video, in terms of creating programming or spaces for my affinity groups particularly, mm -hmm. I've been like, you know, just be honest, I haven't done so much, you know. It's mm -hmm. like I've done decent enough to connect with my e-board and figure like work on ways where we can do it, but yeah. not much has come out of it, you know. Me personally, I guess uh, I can say I've been – kind of busy you know like working and yeah. you know getting through classes but I'll, I've been was it I do have some experience with it because I ended up getting hired as a marketing intern for the multicultural center mm. uh, it wasn't just uh, ASA or like my personal affinity groups uh, focus but it was more so trying to apply to the whole school mm -hmm. for multicultural education and I gotta tell you that's probably one of the most difficult things to like was a uh, uh, for in terms of like creating programming like yeah. that I've done you know, just thinking about like so much for myself, the fact that like I would struggle to create programming for my affinity groups and neglected them a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. it just like it, that's a personal example of like how difficult this quarantine has made it to really, you know, keep up with the things that matter to you when you were able to, you know, kind of be there in person. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think if it affects me like that, then it's it's bound to have affected everyone else. And it, it definitely has, you know. I specifically highlight student leader because when we're on campus, that student title doesn't go away just because we're doing this amazing work. Like we still have our own classes and homework and other lives going on, as well as these events and groups that we're passionate about. So I think it's really valuable that you were able to highlight that it's not even though we wish we could, you know, pour all of our energy into this one passion of ours, at the same time, where that energy come from, comes from is also 
from the rest, all the other aspects of our life. So thank mm -hmm. you for sharing that, especially because I know that it's not easy to be like, hey, things are difficult over here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But then, like, my friend was telling me, I was talking to my friend, discussing about, it, like, you know, we were trying to brainstorm, what, like, way can we, like, post, like, have something online, you yeah. know, that's not, like, just, like, you know, just, like, lecture or talk about something like this, you know, and, like, what something, a way to get them motivated to come, you know? And, yeah. Like, you, like, we didn't even, like, <laughs> like, it's just said, like, you know, if we figured out, we would have, like, had, like, the whole school basically had a program. But uh, we kind of, like, uh, you know, like, talked back and forth and kind of established how, like, Steve, like, help me, like, see how valuable it was to, like, even make an attempt and have, like, at least, like, to even have anyone show up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because we're talking about the power of networking and how, like, like strong that is. Mm -hmm. If you just have, like, three people show up, that's, like, people you may have personally, like, influenced or you may have personally made a connection with, you know, or mm -hmm. had a network with, you know? And he's talking about, like, and uh, help me figure out that that spreads so well, you know, like, yeah. uh, like we were doing for the ASA Haters of Virus Camp. And like a, like a, like the way I started out saying this is like I was disappointed in myself for not doing more, mm -hmm. but I also don't want to undersell like you know the the things that I have done, the small things I have done, yeah. because I want people to know that the small things that you do are also just as important. Yeah, you know, yeah. Lead, you know, they can lead to so much more. Like, no, all of that was so inspiring to hear. I just have to say that. So thank you. I really appreciate that. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> in our last minute. Do you think you could give a closing message that you would like to share with our listeners as a sign-off? First and foremost to, like, you know, the Asian uh, people and uh, that may be discriminated against because of this unfortunate pandemic going around. I, like, just a straight-up, you are not a virus. Please, 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 please do not believe that. I know I can't cuss on this thing, but you know what I'm about to say. You know, I, please, please do not believe that, you know. BS, uh, to be more appropriate. <laughs> But also, <laughs> reason once again, the reason why we picked the was it hate is a virus is because um, it's something that applies to so many people and uh, to other issues that are going on. And, you know, like uh, we're asking people to support this campaign, but also remember that like allyship, you know, is just it's a two way street. You know, mm -hmm. there are also other issues that you you know, if you want people to support your platform, you gotta support other people's platform to fight mm -hmm. for justice as well. So show up to show up, just like that's just the number one thing for you know, like to get anything going, to get anything changed, you know, to help anyone out, you got to show up first off. So please, please, please show up to these important things because your presence really, really does matter. Yeah. That's Thank you, man. Robin, <laughs> you just, you just made my week, man. I feel empowered to just do anything now. So, <laughs> so thank happy. you thank so you. much. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me again. And that wraps up my interview with Robin. Man, talking to him about, you know, especially the part about showing up for each other's programs or what it's like to put so much of your heart and soul into something and not many people show up. But even if that's the case, like the, the immense value in that, it just reminded me so much of when I would plan hall programs as an RA. Like a year ago, I planned one for like first year students to help them figure out their housing options for the following year. And only I think like four people showed up. I remember it was, it was not popular. And I had staked so much of the value of that program on how many people were there. 
instead of the impact I was making with just those four people. So Robin really opened my eyes and made me remember that even if we can't see the immediate impact or the ripple effect that's probably happening around us when we plan something like a program or when we stand in solidarity with someone else by posting about it, by just having a conversation about it, it is immensely valuable. And it it then made me even realize just having one conversation with one other person, we may not see how that will result in a huge change like within minutes. And maybe it isn't a huge change within even a year. But it's the small changes, the small ways that we show up that ultimately matter the most. So, man, thank you so much, Robin, if you're listening and everyone else listening right now to this interview. I hope it moved you as much as it moved me, especially everything that Robin said about the hate is a virus campaign and the fact that it is irresponsible and ridiculous to call the coronavirus the Chinese virus. So even, you know, if you tie everything together, the impact you can make with one conversation and the ridiculousness of using the phrase Chinese virus, if you put them together, imagine the power you have with that one conversation when you call someone out for calling it that and spreading within your own community the idea that we don't stand for that and we won't allow that where we speak. So, Clearly, I'm very moved and I'm very grateful. So thank you for listening these past few minutes and I can't wait for you to hear the next episode. If you want more updates on this show, follow at continentaldrift.wmuh on Instagram or tune into my radio show every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on 91.7 FM or go to wmuh.org. Again, thank you so much for listening.